Don does Over the Edge every week. He's been doing it every week for 34 years. Suddenly I began to think what you could do with a radio studio and, and, and being a studio with a whole lot of sound sources at your disposal, you could just load them up and mix them and send them back and forth and overlap and all that kind of stuff. He was over the edge, like that was, he, he lived and breathed it, he was his own work. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein. I'm Paul Reismandel. Hey Paul, and today we are joined by a documentary filmmaker to bring us well, a one-of-a-kind artist whose work could only have existed on community radio. Yeah, non-commercial radio, really community, or maybe college radio, but that's about it. It's about sure. the only venue that... I'm not going to draw a line between community radio Fair and college enough. radio Let's for this intro. Lines. So we're going to be talking about Don Joyce and the band Negative Land. He was a member of the band Negative Land, which you might be familiar with. And Don Joyce had a radio program for over three decades on a radio station KPFA in the Northern California Bay Area called Over the Edge. So we'll be talking about that today on Radio Survivor. Urk! Record Scratch Soundtrack. Hello, everybody in Radio Survivor land. This is Eric Klein here speaking to you from the present day. Today's episode of Radio Survivor is one of my personal favorites. It originally aired in May of 2018. Think back to an earlier time, a simpler time, when Radio Survivor was on episode number 141 and we celebrated one of my favorite radio producers still to this day. My love for the radio work of Don Joyce has only blossomed and grown since we originally recorded this episode. I've been digging and diving into the archives that are discussed today and always finding new gems in the work, in the radio collage work of Don Joyce and his show, Over the Edge. We're on the line with Ryan Worsley, documentary filmmaker of uh, the movie How Radio Isn't Done, which is a documentary about um, lonely radio genius, collage artist, uh, late, night, late night pioneer of uh, a very strange and important kind of radio that I love, <laughs> and that's far too long of an introduction. Uh, Ryan Worsley. Thanks, Ryan Worsley, for being on Radio Survivor. Thank you. And I, I tripped myself up because Don Joyce, the subject of your documentary, um, isn't. it's not hard to define Don Joyce's art, but you start to go in loops. You start to go in circles to try to describe what Don Joyce does. H how would you put your words to it? Don Joyce's work? Um, yeah, I mean, he said it so well. Uh, a few times in the movie but I guess it changed too so I, I guess he does collage a freeform collage radio um, no breaks no interruptions um, so it's a three-hour continuous collage yeah and we could say that Don Joyce's three-hour continuous radio collage aired on uh, radio station KPFA in in Northern California for 35 years for 35 years and, and the show continues right in his yes. absence with the with the sort of um the rules and structures and and uh, uh idioms that don joyce originated are are being repeated by you know collaborators now going forward uh midnight to 3 a.m on thursday nights yes every week. and i always got confused about is it 
Thursday night or Friday morning. Good that's point. the and perpetual confusion <laughs> of every person in community radio. And yeah. Ryan Worsley, your documentary about Don Joyce, um, I want to start at the end where okay. Don Joyce has died. Don had an uncanny knack for taking total non-sequiturs from out of the middle of a long ramble. And Don Joyce's friends and bandmates, Negative Land, who are also collaborators on Don Joyce's show, Over the Edge. And just realizing that that non-sequiturs phrase was the exact thing that needed to be played in a loop over and over and over, like, you know, are one to 20 times per three-hour episode. Dubbing so Don's possessions. His collection of tapes. He's yeah. got... Carts, which were like these eight-track looking tapes that are looped that were used on radio for commercials, yeah. anything that need to be played over and over again that he uh, that he's collected, as well as his cassette tapes and other sorts of audio ephemera that he used to assemble his show. And they're they're taking these tapes, which are um, bizarre. They're not cassettes. They they're large. They're bulky. They only are used in radio stations in the seventies. All the way up into the 90s. And 80s and 90s, but no longer at all unless yeah. you're Don Joyce making radio collages. And they're taking yeah, this yeah, material yeah, exactly. that Don had recorded over the course of his entire life, I'm assuming, and dubbing it onto uh, Pro Tools Digital so that they can ship these carts off to their fans forever. You better believe it. That's it. Good to have that one. That's good. Yeah. Well, they didn't have much use for it, for them. And, you know, Don's collection, it, it was, it's kind of interesting and you see it in the movie. Like he's so, he's, he's very proud of it. He, I mean, he's worked on it his whole life. He's got this incredible amount of stuff, but at the same time, like it's really about the audio. It isn't about the stuff, you know, it's like, it's kind of strewn all over and like, you know, in, in, a, in an organizational way that only he knows and. Um, so, and they, and I think Negative Land knew the process, um, but didn't really know what was on the tapes. Like when you look at the little scrawled writings on the tapes, it's not, it's not like super descriptive. It's, it, you, they don't really know what's on them. So yeah, so they're, so they're pulling it off the eight track tapes partially because, um, yeah, they just, they don't use them anymore. Even on the new iteration of Over the Edge, they use iPads and not these carts. So it's a way of preserving them and also a way of um, paying tribute because somebody else gets them. But yeah, it was a big joke that whoever gets this cart probably won't have any way to play it. Mm -hmm. Like they would have to buy some outdated machine and these machines are just all broken or just impossible to find. So the joke was there's going to be, you know, a thousand people out there trying to get their hands on these cart machines and, you know, they just don't really exist anymore. You know, what I love in your film is this moment. When I started out uh, in the 80s. Uh, when, uh, uh, well, uh, while Don was still alive, he walks and, you and through the process that he has for grazing all of our media inputs, television and radio and, and, and other, uh, you know, recorded materials. And it's what I record off the media, the raw stuff I get off the media. It's done off a cassette deck, which is plugged into the TV or the radio. So then I end up with cassettes all filled up with all kinds and turns of raw material that's unedited. This huge, uh, you know, it's dump, like this river, ever-flowing river of content. And, and, he, and in some ways, 
total garbage. Right. Total garbage. And he siphons <laughs> off and he sort of skims <laughs> the surface and he's like panning for gold. To it, yeah. to it. Another cassette where I can stop yeah. and start and sort of edit the thing cassette wise into the, just the parts I want. So, but I keep my, my recorder on, you know, ready to record and plugged into these medias. And uh, anytime anything's going, I'll start it, you know, and, and record can, it. Can you kind of describe that scene for us? But I like to find <laughs> where, uh, like, yeah. what his process was like to take all this, like, the stuff that's constantly coming at us in media and, and just picking out the, the best little tiny bits he can reuse. Right. Well, and he did this off of television and radio, and radio, like things you can't rewind, you know. So he's watching this stuff constantly. He had a TV on at all times, you know, waking and sleeping. It was just, and he would record. I mean, he would have to record, just hit record, and rec- and he couldn't like you know go back and then record something that he had already heard. And he was recording on cassettes. He was recording on cassettes. And, and so, and yeah, it was audio. And so he would record, he would just hit record. And then he would kind of get whatever he got. And, um, and then he'd edit them into these cart machines um, using his dubbing deck. So I think, <laughs> yeah. But he wasn't formally trained either in audio. He was he was a, uh, an artist, and so I think yeah. a lot of it was like you know, okay, well, what do I have at my disposal? I have a cassette deck and a bunch of radio equipment. So, like, rather than, you know, get a bunch of gear and learn, you know, audio tech, tech, you know, like how to do it properly, I guess you might say. You know, he wasn't interested in that, I don't think. I think he was really interested in um, just getting it done and however it works. The radio show was, it evolved a lot over three decades. And I think in the beginning, you know, when it was new, he was kind of following the guidelines that Negative Land was sort of setting when they would come into the studio and sort of play sounds and noises and some music and stuff. But it seems like as it evolved, not only did the clips kind of get longer and longer, but they sort of were finding this more... Uh, philosophical sort yeah. of bent. Yeah, these were like. they were radio essays, the collages. Just as it is now is to be infinitely repeated over and over and over again. Your documentary of how radio isn't done isn't a documentary about Negative Land, the band, which is a band that uh, is amazing and fascinating and could be the subject of of documentaries, you focused on Don Joyce and Don Joyce's radio show. Mm-hmm. And yes. that, I think that's a, I love that idea. Like you, I mean, and, and they, there's this great footage in your documentary where Don Joyce sort of politely argues his point that his radio show um, is a bigger deal than Negative Land. 
even though they're kind of <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Well, they started out kind of together. They started out um, working together and, you know, it was this joining of forces where Negative Land was the band and then they joined the radio show and then Don joined the band and then it was, Don decided he wanted to focus more on the radio show. Don does Over the Edge every week. He's been doing it every week for 34 years. You know, it's kind of about that, I suppose, how things start, how things continue. For me, you know, after you figured out, after you played a record backwards on the air for the 10,000th time, it kind of gets a little old. <laughs> but not for him. Don could do a series of paintings with the color blue, and he could do a hundred of them, exploring all the different you know, subtle permutations of what you could do using the color blue. And he would find that endlessly interesting. And me, I would do one painting. And it slowly, gradually, they kind of drifted away from the radio show, which is, which is a big chore and a big obligation on a weekly basis to come up being creative for three hours on a weekly basis. So they just sort of naturally drifted away and back to what they were doing, with, which is making records and stuff. And so uh, I was, I was back to being uh, just me on, on the air, but doing the mix that they inspired, doing the kind of mixing, the kind of show that they inspired. It, it, was, it, it was fascinating to me, too, that one, that they've been working together for 30 years. So they are really a family. They know each other so well to the point where, um, you know, when Don passed away, they were the ones that cleaned out his house. You know, they were the yeah. ones that took him to the hospital. They were the ones that, you know, take care, took care of a lot of the business. And so it's that idea that your artistic collaborators become so close that they're family. Yeah, that part was really affecting to me. And it's it, it reminded me of experiences I've had working in community radio, in particular with really fantastically talented, driven artistic people, yeah. driven to do a type of art which is decidedly way outside the mainstream it's it's a place for lonely people who still like people yeah but yeah. but maybe their social skills so they can talk and communicate and be a part of a vast and thriving community but also be by themselves yeah and watching these guys sort of needle each other a little bit too you know you have some footage which i think some of which you probably was before you decided to do the documentary it seems that there's some afterwards and listening to them reflect to each other, the other members of Negative Land, uh, about being sort of witness to what it started to see as Don's decline in yeah. his later years, as he decided he no longer wanted to go on tour. And there was sort of seemed to be some active worry about him, as you might worry about an uncle who you wish would go yeah. to the doctor more often or wish would take his medication or, you know what I mean, were taking better care of himself. It seemed to be the same sort of of lament at the same time, you know, you wonder, well, what could they do? Right. On the one hand, they're <laughs> right there. He's their, their friend. And uh, I don't know. Did you get a chance? To, uh, you know, there are things that, that you saw or did, were you able to talk with them? The other members of Negative Land after Don passed about that at all. Did you get some sense of like what what that was like? Don was a um, he was he he did what he wanted to do. And he smoked just from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to sleep, it was just constantly smoking. There aren't that and, many cigarettes in your documentary. <laughs> you know, I was noticing that. And, yeah. and it's not on purpose. You know, he just kind of went out and would smoke and come back. But I, And I kind of wish I, and I, there's no reference to it either. But at the same time, like, 
that you know he's he he did what he wanted to do. Peripheral unit tape one is in standby mode. He did what he wanted to do. Yeah, always. And um, he didn't want to be told what to do. He just he would just do what he wanted to do. And I think that the other members of the band respected him tremendously. And so they could suggest to go to the hospital. They could suggest these things. But Don was not going to do anything he did not want to do. And I think he really didn't want to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's concern. And I think that there was, yeah, when he started to maybe lose his memory or, um, you know, have seizures and stuff, then it becomes actually scary. Um but, and so they have, they had to face that. And I think that that was kind of the, the arc of the film that I wanted to show was, you know, yeah, it's really funny that in the, in their album, they, you know, put his ashes in the, in the album and, um, it, it feels like a prank, but in the end, it really, it really isn't, it really is quite touching and also, um, speaks to how difficult it is to uh you know deal with the physical body mm-hmm. dying right right <laughs> you know? i mean like, that's that's the bookends of, of your film yeah. it, we start yeah. with some newscasters yeah uh morning newscasters sort of talking about the fact that uh with the album the chopping channel which is the latest album by negative land was sent out with little bags of of don's ashes and and the the morning the morning hosts are a little repulsed by the idea they are hilarious so those what ladies I'm about to tell you is not a joke and it's super gross let's just get really serious really gross so there's this rock band and bands can be weird i mean you know they just are and this one's giving out human remains with their new album again we're not yep. kidding it's two grams of yep. founding member donald joyce's cremated remains <laughs> You know, you sort of end the film with this process of everyone coming together, the bands, and it seems like they're some of their families as well, uh, you know, packaging up the album for shipment, which includes parceling out uh, the ashes into little baggies. But I think think in the end, you get it. Like, you get that it 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 is a tribute it's not you know a way to sell albums or or be crazy and weird you know it it is actually a tribute and i think that people actually really cared about having a piece of dawn and it it is a it is a caring thing um recently john lidecker found a sort of marked up um you know collectors only limited edition chopping channel album for sale and it was you know some exorbitant price hmm. that included don's ashes don's and it ashes. sort of felt weird like yeah that wasn't really what we were trying to do here well to me <laughs> so, it, it, it definitely um uh fit with don joyce's art and work that yes. uh, in the end the the ceremonial inclusion of his earthly remains it's like a sample would go out there's that it's there's like also that uh don joyce didn't buy in to the judeo-christian religious culture he didn't he didn't need a, a proper christian burial and he also did i mean he rejected so much of how everything was done not just radio that of course in the end what he's going to do with his ceremonial uh, burial is going to reflect how he how he treated his artwork as well on the yeah. radio. 
I feel like he give was it away. he was over the edge. Like that was he he lived and breathed it. He was his own work. And so to be a part of your own work is kind of like this perfect way to go. You know, you're sent out with your own work to your over the air to your your broadcast to the <laughs> to the world. Yeah. Your ashes are broadcast to the world. So I I don't, I thought it was really beautiful, but What was that process like for you? So you worked on this over the course of several years. You got to know Don and the other members of Negative Land better through that time, I'm certain. I mean, what was it like not, to be part of this? Not really. Okay. Um, no, I, I, you know, okay. So here's the, here's basically how this all came together. Um, I we you know I went and filmed a little bit of their shows. Uh, got to know a couple members pretty well, um, but not Don. Don really didn't travel. He mm. wanted to do work, and so I would see Don when he was assembling albums, um, doing Over the Edge, um, and then he would you know he would sit down for interviews, but he wasn't really that happy about it. You know, he, mm. he wanted to be collecting his audio. He didn't really want to talk. He, he would, he was, he's a great interviewer, um, super patient would answer any questions, but he wasn't really that interested in anything except his work. Mm. I don't think negative land is very popular. I think we're slightly popular among aficionados and, and the, the abstract fringe of music. So that's saying that not many people find it interesting, you know, but that's always true when you're trying to stay out ahead of, of what has happened in the past. So when I decided to put together this film, I only had a few interviews that I had shot with Don and some other Negative Land stuff. So I didn't spend a ton of time with him. I really, my time that was spent was more... Um, piecing together existing footage and listening to Over the Edge. So, and what was that like, actually? Because I mean, that you're, uh, if you've ever listened to Over the Edge, I mean, and you listen to hours and hours of it, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, we should say again, it's a three-hour-long radio collage that weaves in and out all sorts of different sound sources it including oral world musical you know yeah. music content uh, former archived radio content commercials uh sometimes the performance live in the studio sometimes the performance recorded 10 years ago in the studio mixed with the performance live in the studio as well as uh as well as don joyce uh, monologuing Himself. sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. and don joyce members. or crosley bendix or right any of his many, many, many personas that he took on. Yeah. Um, it's a daunting task, task to try to take this thing that's this, it's its own form. It's a long form. It's a long format. Um, and then trying to distill it into two hours or an hour and a half on film because it's oral. It's audio. Yeah. And um, so there's these questions of like, okay, what is it? Who make it? It because it, it, and it also changes over the, for over three decades. I just I really in, got into the 
episodes. I mean, I would be driving back and forth from um, Los Angeles to San Francisco, which is about a five-hour drive, and just put in an episode and listen to it from the beginning to the end. And by the end, I'm just, I'm practically drooling because you're in a sort of dreamlike state. It's <laughs> yeah. like this, you're, you're, you're learning a lot. You're, yeah. you're, essays. you're, they're essays, but they're not dictation either. Yeah. And you're, it's not about here is what we're going to learn today. It's you get out of it, whatever you get out of it. Yeah. And you listen to you. He, everybody hears it maybe even a little bit differently. It really is art. Pop art was a big influence of mine too. That whole aesthetic of taking the common, the 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 commercial, the the stuff that wasn't even considered art, and making it art. That whole approach to art interested me too. Which is use the unexpectedly common and um, uh, commercial or whatever pop was doing. It was it was making culture. Pushing culture uh, that was usually disrespected up on a pedestal and saying, hey, look at this again. What's this about? What's this? It's about us, you know, somehow. But I wasn't into collage that much in a, in a visual sense until I got into sound. There's something about what you can do with sound that's very, very difficult to do with imagery, and, and that is to create a, what I would call truly an emotional experience. Sound just comes in, it's, it's all inside of your head, it's, it's all in your head. And, uh, and there, I think the, the activity, the action is, is uh, very, very interesting to me. How, that, how you can create these emotional experiences uh, with sound. The idea is basically this, think to yourself what it would be like if your life, just as it is now, was to be infinitely repeated over and over and over again. Infinitely repeated over and over and over again. Just as it is now, was to be infinitely I tried to approach it almost like an over the edge, where it has these layers, it has the time layer, it has the um, people layer, and it has the work layer and, and kind of having them ru not run in this chronological order. It was more this, it's presenting ideas um, in a flow. And I tried to do that um, a little bit, at least <laughs> as much as I could. So here's what I think some of those ideas are in your documentary, Ryan Worsley. Your documentary is on Don Joyce and his radio show, How uh, Over the Edge. And your documentary is called How Radio Isn't Done. And people can Google it and watch it. They can go to a link in our show notes and watch it on radiosurvivor.com. Um, okay. It's your documentary is about, I mean, I, this, I want to go back to my earlier question. Like why, why do you think Don Joyce focused on this show above all else? Like what, what was the work for Don? Um, why? That's a, well, I mean, there is a quote near the end and it, it, this is the end of his life, but he says, you basically, you do it cause you can't not do it. And, um, I don't think that's true of all artists, but I think he was compelled to, I think, um, and I think that because he never stopped, he never stopped thinking about it. Mm. And I think that when you're making art, the most difficult thing is either is usually to start after you've stopped. Yeah. 
And so rather than, you know, here's this piece, this is finished. This was almost like an ongoing piece and he just never stopped working. And there's another element as a community radio nerd that I think other community radio people will understand and maybe sort of mourn. This is a weird thing. Once you give up your spot on your community radio station, it's not easy to get back. If you, if you hold it, it's yours. And, but, but it's valuable real estate. (laughs) No. And I think that was a big worry, um, that he had to do it every single week. And, you know, he would be the first to say not every show was awesome. You know, like some shows were just learning about making mistakes. And, yeah, but but they um, were working towards a goal. And a lot of times every show was awesome. I mean, I my big time of being <laughs> an over-the-edge fan was somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 2004 was the big, the big dip into the work that Don Joyce was doing on Over the Edge. I happened to work at KPFA at the time, but it was a giant fan. And they were doing uh, weekly deep dives into every year of the history of radio, starting in the (laughs) beginning, I believe, and going year by year. And many years would take multiple weeks to explore all of the footage and all of the ideas that Don Joyce wanted to share in this three-hour show. And it was just, um, like you were saying earlier in today's interview, so educational Mm -hmm. and beautiful and and like there i can't think of any other way to communicate like what decades and decades and decades of pop radio might have sounded like other than this kind of collage right unless you're going to live through it how else are you going to to share it with an audience what don joyce had in his brain how else yeah that's a really good point and and there there's also this idea that the, the idea of I'm going to take on the task of the entire history of radio over the radio. <laughs> yeah. You know, that just seems insane. And, but for the amount of stuff that Don has and can do, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, just, yeah, entire history of radio. Well, Absolutely. Weeks on over a the year, edge. right? Or, you know, sure. probably a week <laughs> off here and there, you go on tour, maybe you have something else to do. I think what I'm also hearing, though, is that. And this is coming from a, a a friend, a hoarder. I also hoard things the way that Don Joyce appeared to have hoarded things. And <laughs> if he wasn't sharing it with this radio audience, then he was just right uh, being kind of pathetic. It had a use. But because it was not, because it went out on the air for three hours and everybody was listening, and everybody, people listened, like, yeah, it, this, well, you his wonder, life's work was, was important. You wonder, though, like, which came first? So would Don have done any of this stuff had he not gotten that slot on KPFA? He probably wouldn't. He probably maybe wouldn't have even been doing audio. But because he got the outlet first, yeah, yeah. as a complete novice, he was he was not in radio. He had never been on the radio. And he just, just he just was, it was a job and or it was something for him to do. That was the spark. And you wonder, you know, how much of an audience is affects whether or not somebody makes art. But there's a platform, right? And, yeah. you know, I mean, cause it's something which ostensibly somebody could do at home, even in 1980, 
you, you know, with with a cassette recorder. And in fact, and you know, what? I've heard about people. Uh, we wrote about Radio Survivor. I did uh, about a year ago. A guy in England who basically made his own radio show at home on a cassette deck and would send it to people for twenty years. I mean, it's so. <laughs> I mean, you know, and of course, awesome. at any point, he's maybe sending out a dozen tapes. Yeah, it's another good idea for a documentary. Right, right. Um, well, there is. It, it, there's a radio documentary about it because that's how I've learned oh, about good. it. Uh, it on, uh, for uh, ABC Radio. I'm sorry, do not ABC link, Australia. Link in the show notes. Link in the show hope. notes, radiosurvivor.com <laughs> slash podcast. Right. So there's ostensibly. How else am I going to find it, Paul? He had the opportunity <laughs> to do that, but yeah. the platform. The supportive infrastructure, the studio, the yeah. equipment, the microphones. That all exists well, because there's we, somebody to listen. And there's somebody yeah. who's not only just listening, we didn't mention the 10th element, the most important, not most important, the fun, the fun. Uh, they would open the phones that right. on on oh, over yeah. the edge. You uh, any at any point in time between midnight and three uh, a.m. You could call the 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 studio line at KPFA, and without anybody answering the phone to tell you what or to do or what not to do, you were patched in. And unless you annoyed him, yeah, you were on the air. Yeah, he'd hang up on you if he felt like it. Don't say hello. Yeah. Don't, Don't say, say hello, hello. is a yeah. delightful uh, idiom of the Don Joyce work. That's right. Yeah, and I think that that was one of the things that made it really, truly unique was was that it did have that audience participation, yeah. and um, and it always took all different sorts of forms, and there was there were definitely um, repeat callers, yeah, characters. personalities, characters, yeah, and um, that's got to be thrilling to both participate and to you know encourage that participation. Yeah, it's really it's it's yeah you know, we're not knowing what's going and it, and it is all live and that is one of the most important aspects of it is that every sound is live um it's recorded and you know recorded onto these cassette decks but it's the the idea of mixing it live it, it's you don't you don't know what's going to happen and and it's it is like orchestrating and and conducting and and so bringing in these elements from the outside that you have you haven't put together they're just going to suddenly be on the air it's really exciting and you know as we peel this apart right so we're identifying these different factors that kind of made it so that it was something which as don said uh he couldn't not do it and i think that factor of the grind week in week out yeah because it's not only you want to do it but you've committed to do it at the very least there is the, the the DJ ahead of you at KPFA and the DJ behind you are depending on you to show up, be there, keep the, keep the transmitter on, the lights going, the, yeah. the, the audio there. Of course, your listeners are depending on you. It's a violation of FCC rules for you not to show your, up. Your collaborators are, 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 are expecting you to be there. And your audience. And I think that that's why, you know, for a lot of folks, something like community radio ends up being their commitment to art because you mentioned Ryan that you know often the hardest thing with for an artist is getting started or getting restarted once you've stopped and having to be there week in week out perpetually means you never really have permission to stop <laughs> in a certain way right i mean there's yeah. nobody with a gun to his head but you know we all can set the psychological weight on our own shoulders 
that says right. we have to do it. When we do this with the podcast, with our show here now, you know, our listeners depend on us, but then we signed up radio stations to carry it. And now they're depending on us. And it, it makes sure that I, we don't yeah. go three weeks between episodes. <laughs> and that and that definitely helps. And, and But you're right. There's something about this thing called the grind. And um, you would think that doing something every every waking hour for 35 years might start to lose its luster after a while, but I guess it never, that's, I'm very, that's one thing I'm actually very envious of Don and mm-hmm. the fact that he found something that he loved so much and that, that he, something that he could do. And albeit he was not being paid. I think that's not clear in the film or, or yeah. that to anybody. It's like, this is his life's work that, you know, the only thing he gets out of it is the work itself and the audience. And maybe that helps a lot, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, art for the sake of art, maybe that's the only way you can really uh, stay authentic and not fall into the grind. I don't know. It's it's sad if it is. I mean, here's a guy who I (laughs) really wish there were just a minimum income. I wish there were, I wish you could just have... His rent well, paid he, for he and wasn't, some food. He wasn't homeless. And, yeah, right. No, but, I mean, you and know. he, yeah, he was lucky in that he, um, you know, well, he lived in the same place for however long, thirty years. He had roommates and um, had kind of a, you know, it was right close to KPFA, and he just basically went from his apartment to KPFA back to his apartment. So he found a so way to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, yeah. I, and um, uh, and could live and breathe his art, you know, and that's a huge luxury. I think, you know, I think otherwise people have to spend eight hours a day occupying their brain and their time with something that they don't want to do. And then, you know, and then having to switch gears into the art that you're trying to make is really difficult. And so, you know, Don was lucky and both, he was both dedicated and he was lucky in that he could focus on this stuff 24 hours a day. Um, and that's why it exists is because he could. Um, but also if I had the time to (laughs) focus entirely on art, I don't know that I could, I doubt that I could, you know, to have that kind of dedication and, um, intensity to live and breathe your art and nothing else. I don't, I don't know that I could do that. You know, I think it's kind of a special kind of person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're talking with Ryan Worsley, documentary filmmaker of the film, How Radio Isn't Done, which uh, came out in February of 2018 and features Don Joyce, who was the radio collage late night genius who created uh, Over the Edge, (laughs) a radio show that, again, like we're celebrating this radio show and Don Joyce's work. It only could be on a community radio station and because there's it's not it's weird it's and it's important work and people who get into it are very into it but it's not widely popular i'd argue that the weirdness of it nevertheless presaged a lot of aesthetic that made it made its way into popular culture, the cut-up aesthetic, uh, mm-hmm. the mashup culture. Sure. Uh, all of these things are things which Don and Negative Land, yeah. I think, pioneered and popularized because it, uh, as, as sort of fringe as they may be, you know, they did get sued by U2. <laughs> 
they, they had moments in which yeah. you know they, they there was fame. But that was not for a sample. That was just for an unauthorized cover. But it kind of doesn't matter right. because it, it brought them some amount of notoriety, which turned more people onto it. I know about them from working in college radio because the, the albums that Negative Land makes yeah. would come in, and everyone would get really excited when there was a new Negative Land. The letter album. U and the numeral two. And, very good album. And, you know, so, and I think that, you know, in yeah. a way that they were influential. Obviously, they were not the only people using this aesthetic and applying yeah. it in such a way. But but it was on the radio. It was on the radio. And it was in, yeah. and it was probably in your local Sam Goody. And it was probably in right. your local Tower Records. That's right. right. And I think that this whole um, generation, there was this whole generation of people, especially in the suburbs, that were kind of fascinated with, you know, the idea that you could take a tape and record whatever you want to on it. And I think that there was, you know, things happening with sampling all just kind of, you know, bubbling up to the surface. And part of it came up, I think with negative land because they decided we're going to make records. And even though, you know, they, they were like, I think one of the first groups that sort of just made their own records and they really made their own records. Like they made the packaging out of wallpaper and stuff. And, um, but could get them into stores, but be, but but they were the, one of the first groups I think that 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 put records out with this sampling mm-hmm. um, stuff, and sampling in that it was you know cassette deck dubbed <laughs> stuff, and, and, and cut up tape, yeah, <laughs> and cut up, and cut, and physically cut tape, yes, yeah, cut and sliced together. Um, but yeah, I think it was happening. It was something that was happening because of the technology and because of the fascination and and. And it happened because of that time when, when, because you could, but not everybody put out records. Um, but at the same time, Negative Land still made songs. And so Over the Edge is not songs at all. It's, it's, it's three hours. And but songs might that be was, workshopped on it, I noticed. Like, yeah. You, you well, they do. Yeah. So, that yeah. Would later exactly. There's no album. beginning, middle, or there's middles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of middle and, and. And yeah, and there are there are kind of starts and stops to let's say thoughts, but yeah. but, um, but it's a three hour show, and so that was one challenge first of all. In that it's this is a three hour art piece that you want to you know take down into clips and and feature clips in a movie or try to yeah, and you can't. It's really hard to do because it's um, that's not what it is, and it, and it so it wasn't supposed to be this sort of like the best of you know because it's quite challenging to find even a three minute clip of within over the edge that, that even makes sense because things come back from a previous hour or later, or they've been repeated. And and it's like, you you have to, if you listen to the three hours, you actually get more out of it than if you listen to some little small bit. And this is one of the very few long format, uh, time-based art, uh, things and so I don't think, I don't know that people even quite know how to listen to it, yeah. you know? Well, if like, listeners <laughs> who hear this uh, now want to listen to all yeah, three hours, uh, the the band Negative Land made made all of these shows available on archive.org. You just have yes. to search for um, Over the Edge or Don Joyce. Uh, link yeah. in the show notes on our website, radiosurvivor.com. It, it's really great because, you know, KPFA had some archives or all of these archives um, starting when the internet uh, became a thing, but they were, mm-hmm. uh, they were MP3s. They were, they were streaming yep. quality. So it's really mm-hmm. cool that, uh, that they did this yeah. work to put, to put John Joyce's uh, show out there. They're still working on it. They're still putting ah, shows the archive up there. Is not complete. It's not complete, but it, there's a lot up there 
and um, yeah, and you can search uh, for themes and um, and pretty much yeah, download high quality wave files and yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. You know, they sold tapes of over the yes. edge air checks. That was back actually in the 90s. how Don made some made a little bit of money back in the day. Was uh-huh. um, you know after he got a little bit of popularity, people would would request tapes. So I think he would sell, he would tape yeah. his own work and then sell them. And so that's how the tapes exist because, um, you know, that was how they were saved uh, as people recorded them or people, you know, ordered them from Dawn. And that was how it, how the archive exists. One of the things that Ryan Worsley, one of the things you did in the documentary about Don Joyce and his show Over the Edge, How Radio is Done, How Radio Isn't Done, uh, (laughs) is um, you did talk to one fan about their opinion of the show. And I'm wondering why, why that guy, right? <laughs> Jerry Chamkus. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the former physicist, former physicist. So Jerry Chamkus, um, this, this information is missing from the film too, but Jerry Chamkus used to be the person that recorded all the over the edges. And, um, there's actually a really great episode where, um, someone calls in and asks how they can get a tape. And, um, Don just says over the air, Hey, Jerry, Hey Jerry, uh, if you're there, this guy wants a tape. And then Jerry calls in and says, you know, hey, it's Jerry. Yep, I'm recording. And so, like, he was, you know, he he was he was a part of it. Okay, but the that unofficial was archivist. He was the unofficial archivist. Yes. And he, and so, so he lived in Berkeley at the time, or somewhere in he the did, Bay Area. He did not. He just had a giant satellite and was just a huge fan. Uh, he was in Austin. And, um, oh, he was getting so he the satellite really was, Yes, he was just a huge nerd um, that listened to the show. Is one of them. Uh, you'll think I'm compulsive. I've listened to that 50 times, at least 50 times. 25 now we of need them to, within we need to contact this guy. So what was his name? Oh, yeah. He's great. His name's Jerry Chamkis. J-A-M-K-I-S. Jerry Chamkis is getting a high-quality download. I don't know what his setup was, but um, just so you know, while we were sitting there, he had this little, like, noise thing going that you can hear in in the audio. Uh This kind of gently evolving, multi... There's always three things going at once, as in Over the Edges. So you have to listen to it four or five times yeah. to just you know follow each one of the elements so this and, and what that noise was is the sound of space like he he was he, he was he's also sort of an artist and he would yeah. download um this I, I, he, he explained he, it's basically like the audio of space yeah yeah you know, he's got a big dish in his backyard yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's really into audio, and he's just, he's just, he was just a, I think he was just a fan. I actually didn't get the whole story of how he started, but he was just a, a massive, massive fan, and he just started recording them, and then he became the sort of official recorder. The official archivist of archivist. Over the Edge. That's amazing wow, that's great. story. And that, I guess so he told you about his favorite episode. Yes, and so he told me about his favorite episode, which was Time After Time, and I did listen to it, and it was in it. In it is amazing, and it's and it's great. And where did the dream come from? Since photons travel at the speed of light, yeah. by definition, so, yeah, so, that's, so that's why one then fan's opinion there is no distance. That is, every place in the universe is right here. Yeah, I I uh, would have liked to have talked to other fans, but how do you find? Them? How do you find them? You know, so well, there you was. Uh, I participated in a uh, mailing list, emailing list uh, in the 90s and 2000s called Snuggles. 
Uh-huh. Because uh, you, you, you can't open up with a goddamn dead dog dying. That's right. That's from the U2. Snuggles. Yeah. Uh, and it, but but the okay. thing is, is they're all Negative Land uh, fans. But mm-hmm. every single person on that list also a collage artist. Sure, <laughs> and would use the mailing list to coordinate creating their own albums, That's which awesome. and uh, which they would then. There was a project called the Droplift Project, hmm. and that what they would do is they would choose a UPC code for some other album, have the CDs made, and put them into record stores. Mm. That's great. <laughs> so that's so that uh, and, you know they wouldn't distribute them, so they would go to your Sam Goody. It's like reverse piracy. That's why they call it drop lifting, as opposed yeah. to shoplifting. Drop lifting, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so the CD might have the a Britney Spears UPC code, uh, but someone some someone would buy person it. would ring it up, and <laughs> but a person would buy it because they wanted this collage album, yeah. right? And they right. the the system would register that one more Britney Spears album sold, right. and the the money would go to the store. Yeah, not the artist, right? But they and were, their art would be distributed. Yeah, wow, cool. Drop lifting the drop lift project. They might still do it. And it was related to Negative Land because you guys were organized through a fan club. Yeah, it was a mailing list essentially, and I was more of a of a spectator than a than a, than a truly active participant. Yeah. But the very the most active participants were all collage artists well, themselves. Is, now that we're going down this road, it's time for me. This is the after dark segment, I believe. Uh, Ryan, this is where the Radio Survivor <laughs> podcast sort of just goes on and on, but we we use it. I I once my I was taking some family leave from my work at KPFA. And was home with my newborn son in 2006. And at 1 a.m., at 2 a.m. on a Thursday, on a Friday morning, uh, the boy, the very small boy, uh, is crying nonstop. And I just picked up my phone and I dialed the KPFA on-air studio line. (laughs) And so sometime in 2006, in early April or mid-April, there is a wailing little infant and I, I have and the fun part of being a caller is you know I have no idea what Don Joyce did with that mix yep. and I still to this day have not hunted down this specific archive to find out what it sounds like but it, but a part of but me hopes there. that it sounds pretty cool because yeah. you know a wailing baby that's you, he, that's a great yeah he, I bet I bet he was so excited when he got answered the phone oh good like uh, I bet you know. I can just, I can just imagine, like, oh, this hasn't happened before. <laughs> That's good. You can probably cut in and out too. It's just like now, three hours later, the baby's still crying. Yeah, that, <laughs> that poor kid would cry a lot. He got over it at some point. But yes, that's that's my that's my story. That and just uh, the guy was clearly um, hyper focused on his work. So I would crash in there in my youthful exuberance for his art and say hello, and he'd be in the middle of the mix, and he wouldn't, he didn't have the social skills to kick me out but he should have (laughs) and i would get the message and leave pretty quickly but for a minute i would just watch what he did with all just piles and piles and piles of excess equipment there's enough equipment in that room to get a lot of work done and he would bring in more to get to make his show all those cart machines and all those mixers and everything else um yeah and i also i offered at one point to like could i could I give you some material? He's like, yeah, burn it on a CD, leave it in my mailbox. I will use it. Uh, you know, a station That's ID. Awesome. He's an omnivore. Yeah, you'll take. He's take an. It o- <laughs> I, yeah, but yeah. there was other time. This would have been outsider art, right? Right. Well, and it was. I think it is. It just. I think. It, I think it's exactly what it is. It's just that 
um, the only venue that so far that's worked for it is radio. Yeah. Like actually broadcast yeah. live. So the you know you wonder where else it could play. You know in what in what format does it fit now yeah and i because it's a little bit sad to me that it's on the internet archive like it's accessible but it it's not doing anything stale you know yeah it's like kind of just wrapped up and stuffed in a box almost so when uh, you used to have the uh 24-hour some way to let it out i don't know though, yeah it, it seems like it should be let out somehow yeah. just you know it should be broadcast but the magic somewhere. the magic of accidentally which you have in your documentary of accidentally turning on your radio and thinking to yourself wow today is a special day because this is not what i expected and i'm a very <laughs> special person and then to find out that oh this is this is somebody somebody's doing this on purpose I, I, yeah it's a discovery it's like you thought you discovered it but somebody was making it and one night when i was 15 i was just channel surfing and i came into one of the spots on the dial where you could pick up two stations at once both equally loudly so i stopped there and just listened for a couple of seconds to entertain myself until i suddenly realized that it wasn't two stations it was actually only one station and within about 30 seconds it was it was a real life-changing paradigm shift where i realized that live electronic music did exist uh, a little anecdote in in the 90s I was working at a community radio station in central Illinois, uh, and uh, we had somehow a surplus of corporation for, for public broadcasting funds that that could only be spent on acquiring national programming. Cool. And it was just like a few hundred bucks, so it wasn't like a ton of money. And we simply spent the remaining bit all on tapes from Negative Land. We wrote a check for several hundred dollars to Don Joyce for these negative land tapes, for over-the-edge tapes, to simply fill in late nights. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And, yeah. and we just said, you know, what better thing could we do to spend a little bit of this federal money on uh, on some wonderful over-the-edge? Great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, almost... It, it, it's hard to really wrap your head around. And, and it's interesting, you know, that now it continues and that the work... It still continues in a way because the show still exists and, and folks in Negative Land have taken it over and that the archives are being preserved. And, and it's fitting since, I mean, Don was essentially a consummate archivist, really. So it's only mm -hmm. fitting that his uh, work should be preserved like that. Yeah. Um, Ryan, and I'm going to ask you another personal question. So after having, you know, you've, you've completed this film, you've had some showings, um, what 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 is the lasting effect on you having worked on this, getting to know the the work of Don Joyce and Negative Land better, and having uh, constructed this this very loving uh, tribute in film form? What effect has it had on you, and and what 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 effect might it have on on some of your future work? That's a great, really good question. I I it affected me in that because I was surrounded by authentic people doing authentic art. Um, it changed my world a little bit because um, I was, you know, I was led into this community that is so, um, it is so dedicated to authenticity and, and figuring things out, figuring out um, culture and, uh, 
what things mean. And, you know, in the documentary world, you're not really sure. You're, you're putting together these stories and then kind of putting them out in the world. But not really sure why or, or is it really your work or, you know, and it's kind of thankless. But when you're around a bunch of people that are doing things for themselves and they're doing things for themselves that they are proud of, it really rubs off. And I think anytime anybody um, does things for their own reasons, it's, it's, it's admirable and um, it's, it, it's something to live up to. Well, Ryan Worsley, thank you so much for joining us today on Radio Survival. Thank you. Again, today's episode of Radio Survivor, Warts and All, originally aired on May 8th, uh, 2018, episode number 141. And I bring it back to you today because... It's really one of my favorites, and Paul Reese Mandel recently took me to a uh, fully masked, fully vaccine checks at the door a live performance of Negative Land, the band that Don Joyce was a member of. And it really, uh, Don Joyce, of course, passed away. Negative Land is not uh, does not tour with Don Joyce anymore, but definitely um, getting to see that band live for the first time in my life uh, very much... Uh, made me remember how how much I love Don Joyce's radio show, how much I love this episode. We've never re-aired it because of those little blips and blurps that maybe you're aware of, but uh, today is the day because it's very special to me. You're about to hear a little bit of an episode of Over the Edge titled Your Brain is Art. And one can actually see the creativity of the brain at work. Every organism gets tuned differently by design to the niche of the world that it's supposed to inhabit. Ours is greater than most, but let's put it this way, one trillionth of the information that hits your eye actually gets transmitted to the brain. We cut it down much, much further, so it's way, way more uh, less than a trillionth of reality that we exist in. But the whole brain uses about the same amount of power all the time. Each of uh, our brains, your brain, my brain, uses about 12 watts of power. And, uh, and that doesn't change. It's 12 watts of power when we're awake, when we're asleep, when we play chess.